Well, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. We have thoughtful conversations about things that matter, and Afghanistan matters. Joining me today is someone I admire deeply, Ryan Crocker, former U.S. ambassador. Served as ambassador to Afghanistan from 2011 to 2012. First, a few things I'd like to discuss. As we're talking, Claude, the um, airport at uh, Kabul is being bombed, or at least outside. Casualties getting updated all the time, being run out of Afghanistan. Um, you know, someone said, I can't remember who it was, that a lot of things were pretty secure, at least decent, at least manageable. And Biden came in and made them worse and unmanageable, turned them upside down. Oil production and distribution, including pricing of gas. I mean, what the heck, you know? What's it, up a dollar, dollar quarter? You know, we, we end the pipeline here, but then support the extension of the Russian pipeline into Germany. Uh, the border was, you know, in pretty good shape in terms of crossings, and now it's chaos and disaster. We may be getting Afghan uh, terrorists coming in, too. Afghanistan was, you know, not a not a free democracy, a wonderful place, but it was doing pretty well. Girls were going to school, university. They were even keeping up with trends and teaching, you know, um, transgender stuff. Don't need that, but I guess it's a sign of their contemporaries. Oh, they may be heading back to the ninth century now because of Joe Biden's move. 2,500 troops seem to me to be doing a good job. We'll, we'll get more insight on that from Ryan Crocker, former ambassador. Iran, you know, put them in their place, and now we're elevating them, maybe having another ridiculous agreement. The economy, wasn't much inflation going on before. A lot of inflation going on now. I, I don't know. We have no... Uh, real connections uh, from the borders, you know, with Iran and Pakistan, Russia. It's really a pretty bad situation, very Mm -hmm. bad situation. And it'll get worse. Heard reports this morning of a school group from California that is stranded in Afghanistan, like 15 people, 15 kids, young people. Nobody knows exactly where they are. May not be in Kabul, which is bad news. Kabul's bad news, but if you're outside of Kabul, it's really bad news. But uh, let me introduce these emails. Um, Don Ugliano, who's written this before, talking about the Democrats in Afghanistan. We got a wonderful email from uh, Jeff Heisley in Anchorage about uh, Tamira Mensah-Stock, the wonderful right. gold medalist. Mm-hmm. Great. A nice plug there for John Hinderocker from Jeff. And we need a plug for John Hinderocker mm-hmm. because we got a Minnesota email. <laughs> right. That kind of attacked our guy, John Hinderocker. Mm-hmm. That's from Ryan Dauhauer, West St. Paul. He says, John's a great guy, but he vastly overstates the effectiveness of his organization in Minnesota. But uh, i ask you to read those, uh, Claude, if you will. Sure. I, you know, how about we start right there with our buddy Ryan there in uh, West St. Paul, um, since we already started. He says, vastly overstate, uh, John's a great uh, guy and guest, but he vastly overstates uh, the effectiveness of his organization here in Minnesota. We sent our kids to a K-12 public charter school that was founded as a classical school teaching Latin and the great books. The nuts have taken over and it keeps going from worse to worse. And yes, I did run for the board after serving eight years on various committees, but didn't come close. They couldn't even open the high school at all last year, uh, even though the re- regular public schools did. Parents have tried to organize several times, but to no effect, no expensive apps uh, is going to help things. Uh, same goes for public transportation, which his organization has been hammering for years. More trains are being built, more construction, no improvements. It's amazing to see how bad things have gotten over the 15 years since I moved here from California. The state of the GOP is a joke. 
I would move back to California, uh, back to California here if I could, because things have gotten so bad. Yeah, he said he would move. He would move back to California from Minnesota if he could. Well, he'll be able to get a cheap uh, rental truck because they're all leaving California. Right. So, you know. For what that's worth. He also said he's been working in downtown Minneapolis since uh, July 2020. And so he's seen firsthand the destruction. Yeah. But not a good picture coming out of Minnesota. No. All right. Now let's jump to our buddy. Uh, Let's go. Yeah, let's go right to Jeff uh, in Anchorage, Alaska. It says, Bill and Claude. Hello, enjoy the podcast every time I catch it. Have to mention Tamara Mensah stock and the interview, uh, her taking the gold. I appreciate absolutely everything she expressed. What a breath of fresh air. I really appreciate her uh, saying that she never accepted or acknowledged any obstacle to her ex- uh, success. Uh, so damn tired of hearing people uh, put forth excuses about racism, lack of opportunity uh, as excuses for failure to win. Be like Tamara and just go out and get it done. Great to hear from John Hinderocker. Uh, Hinderocker. He and Conrad Black are my favorites. I have a great rest of the summer. That's our buddy Jeff in Anchorage. I'm going to break the tie here on John Hinderocker and vote okay. for him. Okay. okay. What if I create another tie and I vote against him? No, I would never vote against him. I was just creating some controversy here in the podcast. Well, you know, let me tell you why. <laughs> Not only do I think he's a brilliant guy and analyst and good friend of the show, he's sending me those... Uh, Corn cob holders. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and, and then, well, well, you say yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. It's a I mean, I'm not thing. getting any, but yeah, that's a good reason for you to vote for it. You, you eat corn. You eat yeah. corn. Yeah. Eat corn on the cob. Uh huh. To get your fingers buttery. Oh yeah, all the time. Okay. Well, <laughs> mine won't. <laughs> mine won't be anymore. <laughs> no, they won't. All right. Then our buddy Don uh, emailed them, and he also sent in another one that I'll share. I didn't send it to you, but I'll share it um, after reading this first one. He said two things. The administration and some of them uh, in the mainstream media are starting to praise the great job of evacuating people from Afghanistan. This is the equivalent of a firefighter purposely setting a factory full of people on fire, uh, then bragging about the great job he did evacuating them. Number two, the biggest fear of the left uh, is a unified country based on a rejection of their politics, uh, their policies, excuse me. This is why one month after 9-11, the left began to criticize and blaming uh, America. Uh, that is why the left divides us among ethnic, racial, religious, and political beliefs. A unified pro-America, American country means the end of the left. That was why Trump had to be destroyed. Let's also pray for Haiti and Afghanistan. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm a critic of the left and I'm a critic of the media. I think they've been pretty tough on Biden on this. That's mm-hmm. my sense. Is is it yours? Absolutely. So what I, I even yesterday I watched um, maybe for 20, 25 minutes, uh, Chris Cuomo on CNN, and he was really going after him. He was really going after the Biden administration, really going after the uh, the evacuation process here in Afghanistan, yeah. the yeah. whole leaving the troops. Even heard him say it's a bad idea even taking troops out of Afghanistan. There's no problem keeping some in. And so, no, they, sure. they, they have certainly been tough. And I think the ABC interview with George Stephanopoulos was pretty tough on President Biden. So, yeah, I, I don't see them as not being tough on him on this. We even saw it with immigration, too. We saw they weren't they they were tough with them. They're tough with them, too, on the border. Nah, not so much. Not as much as Afghanistan, but tougher than I thought they would be. Starting a little bit, but they're very late. A- anyway, uh, what the heck is wrong with him? Apparently, he was not advised to do this. He was advised against doing this by the Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, CIA. I, I don't know. Mental capacity, stubbornness, some combination. It's a very bad day for America. And, you know, well, let, let's get a successor in there. No, I don't want Kamala. I mean, she seems to have no friggin' idea what's going on. He's in Vietnam or someplace. 
Oh, it's down the line, not succession. I, you know, sad day here. And it's going to get worse. This thing in Afghanistan is going to get worse. Can I give you a piece of good news? Yes, please. That Don emailed in, because, you know, you and I had talked about this when we hear all these stories about how divided the country is on race. You know, when, you, when, when, when you're out and you've got the TV off and you interact with people, you know, people aren't focusing on this kind of stuff. People are, you know, he says he's driving down the street. He sees a... Um, a young black lady with her car uh, uh, disabled at the time. And, you know, she's trying to figure things out. Sees uh, some guys pull over. Four white men jump out of a car. She gets into her car. They push her car to a safe space to get her out and help her get her car together. Stuff like this happens all the time. You, you share your story about the doctor's office and all Every the young day. black, you know, nurses and receptionists. I share my story about the truck driver in Boise who I sat down and talked to for over two hours. He got a camouflage hat on. I'm a black dude from D.C. We have nothing in common people would say other than being people who, who are just working and living life. And that's what most people are. And that's what most people are doing. So we share these stories. How about the really good news? Oh, college football is back. Yes, that's yep. back. I think it kicks off this weekend, Illinois is, and Nebraska. It's slow. Minor leagues. Nebraska, <laughs> Illinois. Isn't that terrible? I hope They're Nebraska warming. Didn't, didn't hear you say that. They're warming us up. <laughs> How the mighty have fallen. Mm-hmm. It'll be a Hawaii-UCLA game. Uh-huh. I don't care. It starts at midnight. I'm going to stay up and watch it. Sure, sure. But then uh, Labor Day weekend is a big weekend for football. That's Absolutely. Big... What do you think about this alliance thing with the ACC, Pac-12, and Big, and big Ten? They got to do nothing, something. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they got to do something. And then I know what we'll do. We'll form an alliance. Well, what does this mean? We don't know yet, but we're – Standing together, and we won't poach each other's teams. I think Clemson ought to just join the SEC. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. have one professional college league. <laughs> I mean, they'll all be there then, you know? At some point, yeah. yeah. Oklahoma, Clemson, you know, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Oh, Do we really sure. need conferences? Can't we just break things? Can we just have one and just break things up regionally, you know, for, for the most part? We can, but then, you know, these guys lose their jobs and they get a vote. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't care. I just, let's just right. play ball. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What's the deal with the contracts with the college players? I saw Ugalali, Ugalali, mm-hmm. quarterback mm-hmm. for Clemson. Clemson. I'm excited about him. I'm he's, really excited to see him. He's, he was eating Bojangles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think they can do that stuff now, right? I mean, they can they can name and likeness. They can endorse stuff and get money from companies. Would you look this up? Someone told me that the quarterback for Alabama, Bryce, Mm-hmm. Bryce Young, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those guys from California that our friend Brian follows. Mm-hmm. Uh, signed some kind of million-dollar deal already. Yeah, apparently uh, Bryce Young has already nearly $1 million in likeness deals. In those deals where he, you know, they can use his uh, name and likeness and things. Yep. While he's there dollars. in college. Mm-hmm. Sophomore? 19, yep, 19-year-old sophomore. Sophomore! Mm-hmm. Almost $1 million million before he gets out of college. Mm -hmm. You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Show. Okay, let's welcome Ambassador Ryan Crocker to the show. Former U.S. ambassador, served as ambassador to Afghanistan from 2011 to 2012. I won't say how are you, because uh, my guess is you're not so good watching what's going on. Well, Bill, uh, uh, I'm not. I'm happy I'm doing this show with you. I've uh, suspended all my... Other media requests, I am uh, I'm all in on anything I can do to help the evacuation of people who helped us and are likely to die if they don't get out. Are you engaged in that? You're doing that? I am. Yep. How, how, do, you, how do you do it? 
Look, you're, uh, not, you're not the government I, anymore. No, I'm not. But uh, it, it's uh, kind of like the Dunkirk evacuation yeah. uh, in World War II. Uh, everybody who has any connection anywhere, uh, we're, there's a whole lot of folks who are non-governmental, who are busting their butts to get people out because it doesn't look like the government is going to be able to do it. Yeah. How, does, how do people do it? How do you get people out? Well, first, identifying those who need to get out, their coordinates, uh, what they need. Can they get to the airport on their own? Uh, and then we, you know, reach out to those who have the means, uh, perhaps, to, to get them there safely. Uh, and it's an entirely chaotic process. Uh, everybody that can help is trying to. And Bill, I can't tell you how hard all of this is on our uh, our veterans from, from no. Afghanistan. No. They feel uh, powerless. They feel guilty. Uh, They're getting desperate pleads from their uh, translators. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, it is, it's hard for me to describe. Um, I just, uh, just one more thing about these folks. Uh, the airport's pretty chaotic now, sir. Uh, you know about the explosions that have just taken place. Um, yeah. But that's A. B, if you're nowhere near Kabul, you're probably in trouble, aren't you? Or are you in better shape? If you're in Kandahar or some other place, are your odds of getting out better or worse? Well, frankly, right now they'd be worse. Uh, yeah. Uh, yet again, uh, for Afghans, uh, these are a tough, smart, resilient people. Uh, if there is a way out, they're going to find it. And I, I think for uh, more downrange locations, they're, they're probably going to try and uh, go out overland into uh, Pakistan or Iran. What was wrong with 2,500 troops and air cover? It seemed to be, you know, not establishing or securing a thriving full, you know, constitutional republic, but seemed pretty good to me. Well, you just nailed it. I mean, look, uh, you know, we talk about being unable to win. Uh, first, win has no meaning in the Afghan context. It's you, you're not going to have victory. It's a word I never use. You can manage an acute threat to America's national security. Uh, we've been doing that. When I left in 2012 as ambassador, um, we had 100,000 troops on the ground and the Taliban occupied no provincial capitals. There are 34. Uh, the number got down eventually to the 2,500 uh, you had noted. And guess what? The Taliban still didn't control any provincial capitals. Now, I think that 2,500 number is is uh, or was uh, uh, too low for the long term. Yeah. But they say you doubled it, 5,000. Uh, uh, the Afghan government is holding its own. Uh, we got 5,000 troopers there versus 100,000 troopers there. Uh, and the Taliban still couldn't take a provincial capital. So it was a pretty cheap insurance policy, frankly, against another 9-11. And we just threw right. it away. Yeah, because we got enchanted with phrases like end the forever war and bring them back. You know, I was a Trump supporter, but I've been saying that, you know, Trump has some responsibility here by authorizing the deal, sending Mike Pompeo uh, over to... Uh, or was it to, to Doha. Meet, yeah, Doha to meet with the, the Taliban that right there legitimized the Taliban as a, a bargaining unit, a, someone you could bargain with. That, that was an yeah. that was an error. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Look, uh, uh, President Trump and his administration bear a very heavy responsibility for what we're watching today. Uh, it started with the first day 
of the first talks between us and the Taliban without the Afghan government in the room. Uh, we completely, by that step, gave in, we caved in to a Taliban demand that had been there for years, and we delegitimized the, uh, the Afghan government. Uh, so it, it was a terrible error. Uh, and then, of course, President Biden takes office and he embraces the policy. Uh, so he owns it, lock, stock and barrel. He's the my, president. Uh, right, right. Trump. But my Trump friends, fellow Trump supporters, tell me I'm too hard on Trump. Yeah, he said that. But in the end, yeah, he would have yelled at the generals and maybe even cursed them in public. But he would have been listened to them and it would have been more conditional. And he wouldn't have done what Biden's doing. Any guess on that? I don't. I don't know. Well, look, uh, you know, partisan politics is just uh, not what I spend my time on. Uh, right. You know, I, I I was an ambassador six times to six pretty crunchy places. I did it. Yes, you were. Yes, you I were. I did three times for Republican administrations and three times for Democratic administrations. Yeah. This is about America's national security. It's not about American partisan politics. Although it seems like everything is about American partisan politics today. Short answer, uh, uh, this was way more than, um, you know, just a little nod or a gesture from the Trump administration. It was a studied policy that included forcing the Afghan government to release 5,000 Taliban prisoners, who, of course, immediately got back into the fight. How do you think that makes Afghan national security forces feel? I'm mad at everybody. I, I understand. No, and I am too. And I have people who say Trump would have done it, but differently. I, I, I have no assurance of that. But let's move on. As you say, President Biden owns it lock, stock and barrel. Um, uh, and King Lear um, line is uh, it's not the worst as long as you can say this is the worst. This is not the worst, right? The worst is, is to come. Is that right, Ambassador? Oh, I, I think that is without question um, uh, at, at whatever level that you, you would care to look at. As I said, I'm scrambling around like a lot of others, just trying to get uh, deserving people out of danger. Um, that's going to shut down in a few days. And then it starts to get really, really bad for these individuals. But the other thing, Bill, uh, this is on a strategic level. Uh, the, the Taliban now own this narrative of the few, the faithful, clad only in the armor of God, have prevailed against the infidels. Yeah. It is a shot in the arm. It is a huge boost for Islamic militancy everywhere in the world. Right. Uh, so we may not pay, but guess what, Bill? Your grandkids are going to pay. Yeah. There's a, a lot of parsing of uh, the differences among Taliban, Al-Qaeda, um, ISIS, ISIS-K. Does this matter? I mean, First, I understand on the ground it might matter, but do we really care what the, what the differences are? Does it really matter to well, my grandkids? Again, you, you just nailed it. No, it really doesn't. But even more profoundly, we don't know anything about these guys. You know, you'll, you'll hear some personality toss out uh, ISIS-K and, you know, the particular game. We don't know. We don't know who they are. We don't know who gives them orders or who they give orders to. Uh, so it, it's, it's in a way it's trying to escape the real problem, which is, uh, again, in the most blunt terms, we, we have now managed to recreate the pre-9-11 situation in Afghanistan. Uh, the guys that are running the show are the guys that sheltered al-Qaeda who brought us 9-11. That is the issue we should be focused on, not, you know, which faction is aligned where. We have no idea. 
and we're wasting our time trying to pretend we do. The numbers, was the Taliban in as much strength now as they were pre-9-11 in Afghanistan? Uh, well, they were uh, they were certainly strong enough to sweep through the whole country in uh, a matter of a couple of days, encountering no real resistance. Uh, you know, they're a, a, a pretty good light infantry um, yep. force, as, as nearly as I can tell. But they're not the Wehrmacht either. Uh, uh, right. yeah, I, and, and here again, everybody is blaming the Afghan security forces for, for having collapsed. It's true. They did collapse. Uh, but boy, they had been so completely demoralized. Again, we, we, we forced the government to put 5,000 fighters back in the field against them. Uh, how does that make you feel? Uh, yeah. they, they, uh, when I was ambassador, uh, every week there'd be a little ceremony over International Security Assistance Force headquarters. Uh, and it would start with the America, an American officer reading the names of right. Americans killed in action the previous week. Uh, and there were always American names. It was painful. Then there'd be other coalition officers, less frequently, with fewer casualties. The last person to the microphone was an Afghan officer, and he didn't read names. He just said a number, 135, 147, and on it went. Uh, uh, you know, they, they fought and died for their country at horrific rates. Uh, Did they fight they, bravely? Did they fight bravely? Uh, yeah. You, I mean, you... <laughs> You don't, you only take those kinds of casualties uh, if you're right up in the enemy's face. In the front, and, in the front, yeah. Yep. So, uh, you know, for the for President Biden to pin it all on them, that was contemptible. Uh, you know, we, yeah. we we betrayed them. Uh, we 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 effectively ended their air support uh, because they can't maintain their aircraft. It required American contractors who, according to the contract, pulled out as soon as we did. Uh, so. Uh, you know, I, I wish yeah. uh, President Biden could have take a deep look into the mirror and, and realize what he's done. Let me get you to comment on kind of two, not central issues, but just things that bother me as a, not as an ambassador. I haven't been to any crunchy places, <laughs> as you call them, um, but just, just think things I'm observing. When, whence comes this idea that soldiers cannot be put at risk? You know, I, God forbid anyone should die and any of our soldiers die. But I have a son who's a Marine, you know, he went to Princeton and then he joined the Marines. And of course, all the parents of graduation said, gee, what's what's wrong with Joe? I said, there's nothing wrong with Joe. <laughs> he thinks he owes it to his country. Shame on you for saying what's wrong with him. Can you imagine that? But you know the attitude of the, you know, he couldn't get a job on Wall Street and go to the Hamptons. Um Joined the Marines, very proud of him. He said, Dad, you know, this is great what these guys are doing, but, you know, we're not trained to pick up babies. You know, we're trained to fight, and we understand when we, when we join what, what stakes are. But it's as, if, it's as if we can't put them at risk because some of them might die. Well, of course some of them might die. But they understand that, and they signed up. Am I missing something? You know, bring well, back our boys. I mean, we, first of all, we haven't lost anybody in a year. But second, you know, when we did, this is a – you're talking about those soldiers, you know – they feel worse now, I imagine, than when, you know, they lost a friend, you know, but, but we were still engaged. I didn't put that well, but you know what I mean? Oh, oh my goodness. No, you put it extremely well. And again, you, you, just, uh, you just nailed it. Uh, you know, the, the, the worst thing we can do for our, our fighting forces is what we're doing as a nation, basically saying, as you put it, that uh, 
if anybody actually dies out there, then we should bring everybody back. We, we yeah. cannot accept. Well, it puts prices on their head. Uh, you know, some guy out yeah. there with a gay who hadn't really thought about it, the light goes on. Hey, all I got to do is pop one of these guys uh, and they'll pull the whole force. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that that is not the public mentality that won World War II, to say the least. One other thing on this, uh, we've done the same thing to our foreign service officers. The Benghazi hearings took care of that. Uh, so that if, God forbid, we lose an ambassador or another foreign service officer, uh, it's, a, it's a criminal act on the part of somebody uh, in, in government. Well, you can't do that. So what do they do? They translate it down to the field uh, saying you have no more important duty than to keep your foreign service officers safe. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, uh, you don't do expeditionary diplomacy uh, and have a zero tolerance of casualties. Look, we didn't used to be that way. I, as I mentioned, I was an ambassador six times, three yeah, yeah, Republicans, three Democrats. Three of my predecessors in those six posts were were assassinated at post. No, yeah, my God, wow. uh, you can't do you can't you can't prevail militarily if you can't accept casualties, and you cannot yeah. succeed diplomatically if you can't tolerate casualties. I've had this debate uh, with uh, academic and academia a lot. Um, you know, the American people can't stand to see the casualties. It's just not true. Uh, they they need to know what the casualties are on the other side, and they need to know the cause is worth it. And if they think the cause is worth it, and if it's explained to them in ways that they can understand and not deprecate it all the time, they they will they will accept it. I had a conversation with the president. I won't say who you can guess probably about. Uh, so we're going to stop reporting our body count. How many we're losing? I said the problem with the reporting of your body count is you're not reporting the body count of the other side. He said, I said that's bigger, right? president said, yeah, five to 10 times bigger. I said, report them both. If you tell the American people, you know, this is back to your kind of like an echo of your reporting there of, of your weekly reports. If you just you know, give a number of uh, Americans who died, you know, 138, and you don't report the 5,200 on the other side who died, of course, people are going to get discouraged. But um, I don't know. I, 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 I'm going back to Solzhenitsyn's speech at Harvard. I, we, and there's certain things that modern temperament can't take, and one of them is is dying. I, one more minute, and I, I, sh- I shouldn't be talking. I should be listening to you. My fir- my philosophy class, my introductory philosophy class, right? I had said to kids, "What's the worst thing that can happen to you?" Oh, I you know, get a disease and die. I said, "Right, Ryan, you die." And everybody in the class says, "That Ryan, what a son of a gun! What a bastard! What a no good!" Why? Well, he died of cancer. No, you don't say that. But uh, Ryan, he took his car and saw that guy he didn't like and ran him over. Um, that's worse, isn't it? Well, you know, they weren't sure. They they still <laughs> class think it's worse to die. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not going back to my class. I'll go back to World War II. Go back to Rome. Go back to civilization that understood that there were things more important than, than life. There's honor, our sacred honor. Our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Sorry, this is your interview with you, not not me. But I, I think if we lose that, then we don't take the risks that we need to to engage the world in the way we have to. Well, you said it way better than I could, Bill. You, you're spot on. I, I would just add. Well, you're an one. English major, right? Weren't you an English major? I am. And, and we English majors, it's a great major um, if you want to succeed in life because it teaches you how to bullshit your way through anything. <laughs> 
not you. Uh, just one addition to what you said so eloquently. Uh, there was an argument for years that women could not be in combat roles because the American people would never accept their daughters coming home in, in coffins. Right. Well, that would be completely untrue. Yeah. Uh, 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 the American people do not want to see any of their sons and daughters come home in coffins, but they they know there is a larger purpose here. Just as you said, our, our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor. That is what our military has always been about. And we need to not change that in any way at all. Just very quickly, there a study, several studies about families who have lost uh, a father, a uh, police officer or soldier. Uh, look more as they progress, look more like families with a father at home than a father, a child who's never had a father. The memory of the father, the picture of the father, the invocation of the father um, works. Uh, honor your father. Your father wouldn't want you to behave like that. The father who never showed up or who abandoned is never mentioned. The other one has a not a physical presence, but a moral presence. It's a very interesting study. I concluded after reading that, I said to my wife, because I was traveling a lot in government, I said, what'd you tell the boys? She said, I told them you wouldn't approve and that you'd be very upset. I said, sometimes I think I'm better if I'm not there. Your, <laughs> your invocation is, is better than me. You know? But you see the point. I, I, these things matter to us. Our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Or they sure as hell should. And if, and if they don't, we're done, it seems to me. Because then we won't take the risks to preserve in Afghanistan. Well, so so true, Bill. I, I have the great privilege of being associated with a Gold Star family uh, association out here in um, the inland northwest called Time of Remembrance, appropriately enough. Um, and uh, I've, uh, I've been spending time with them for the better part of a decade. And these are the most amazing people you're going to see. Um, uh, they, they've had that unimaginable loss. Uh, uh, and they don't, let me parenthetically add, they don't talk about finding closure. Uh, right. uh, that's one of these right. 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 little buzzwords. that doesn't mean a thing to anyone who has suffered real loss. Uh, but boy, you know, they're there to support each other. Hell, you know, they're there to support me. I, you know, I got survivor's guilt. Uh, you know, I was out in those places. How come they, they got killed and I didn't? And so, you know, the resilience, the compassion, the toughness of, of these uh, Gold Star families, it just puts you in awe of them. Uh, they, they carry on. They, they have, as you so well expressed it, uh, you know, daddy's not coming home, but daddy's always home. And uh, <clears throat> Uh, boy, if you want to feel better about America or uh, the real strength of Americans, you just go sit down with some of these gold star families somewhere. You know what they, uh, the only thing they really fear, they fear, uh, they fear that they will be forgotten and that their sacrifice will be forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, boy, it's uh, again, just an amazing, amazing group. Here's a fact that you would know. Uh, many Americans have no idea what a gold star family even is. Mm. And, and, and to me, that is about the saddest commentary I can imagine uh, on where we are as a society. Well, the disconnect between the military and those who serve and, and the rest of society. 
my, my Princeton story kind of illustrates it. What's wrong with Joe that he wants to join the Marine Corps after a <laughs> Princeton education? Quickly, we have to let you go. I want to honor your deadline. And I heard what you said up front that you're not doing media, and we are deeply honored to have you, Ryan Crocker. You're the best. You are just, just the best. What happens to what? the girls, the 18-year-old who you know was born in 2003? What happens to her? <laughs> Well, in Kabul right now, and Kandahar, is there a difference between Latin Kabul or Kandahar? Oh, I'm afraid not. I think it's going to be really bad all the way around. And one of the things I'm working on right now is to get a whole lot of young female students to safety. Uh, you know, uh, it's the level of damage that uh, our last two presidents have done uh, uh, to our values, to our allies and everything else. See, the, the long-term future of Afghanistan lies with its young people who grew up in a completely different environment. Uh, and now they are at risk of their very lives, let alone the loss of further educational opportunities. That's how you prevail in the long run. It's to create a generation like no other generation in Iraq or Afghanistan. And, uh, we got, we got tired of it. We got impatient. We're coming home. Um, so that just isn't going to happen. And we will pay for it. Will those girl, schools be closed? Will those girls have to dress the way the Taliban wants them to be dressed? Will they be taken, you know, to be a wife of someone they never met? We're already getting those reports. It's already happening. The future is now. All of that is happening. Yep, it is. And there'll be, and there'll be no safe haven anywhere. Not in Afghanistan. Not in Afghanistan, I'm afraid. I wish I had a rosier message to send than that. But uh, uh, again, as you point out, uh, the American people can deal with almost anything as long as it's straight up yeah. and on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, dealt, dealt with the Civil War, you know? I mean, yeah. deal with the Civil War, you can do with the only thing. Dealt, deal with World War II, you can deal with anything. Yeah, as long as you remember to keep those memories alive in the national uh, psyche. Uh, we ever done anything this bad ever? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, not exactly a parallel, but Vietnam, probably close. Um, I, I think this is worse, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, just in a, in a selfish way. I mean, they took over, but we didn't think North Vietnam was going to attack our grandchildren. Oh, yeah. At the strategic level. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Oh, at the strategic level, this uh, uh, this is as bad as it gets. I mean, because what we have done is uh, to sow the seeds of a, a global rising of religious militants. I was thinking it more at the, the human level, but even go there. Ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, even there, uh, you know, we had that spectacle of the uh, last minute evacuations off the roof of the embassy in, in Saigon with the helicopters. Yeah. I, I, think, uh, <laughs> I, I think the image that will stay with me uh, ever after for this uh, evacuation would be that C-17 taxiing on the runway at yeah. Kabul Airport, surrounded by a mob of desperate Afghans who clung to the fuselage. And then you see that plane taken off and a couple of people who had gotten into the wheel well fall to their death. Uh, well, that was a pretty breathtaking image. And that's going to be the image of this evacuation. And you layer that over... 9-11, two decades ago, and remember the people who jumped to yes, their death. Just thinking about that, just as uh, you said and, it. And, and we have now bookended it. Uh, okay, with, with that. okay, nothing good to report, Mr. Ambassador? 
this point? Uh, well, actually, I, I would say this. Uh, as tough as things are and as bad as things are today, uh, remember remember today. Because six months from now, today is going to look really good because it's going to be way worse then. That's yeah. the best thing to do in the optimism department. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Ambassador Crocker. Thank you very much. We're honored to have you. And uh, uh, you, were, you were a great thing for the United States of America. Now take another crunchy post sometime. Uh, I'm uh, pretty happy here in eastern Washington. I'll just uh, I'll just stay out here with the uh, the the pine woods and the elk. Beautiful part of the world. Beautiful part of the world. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate Bye-bye. it. Bye bye. You're listening to the Bill Bennett Show. How about that, Crocker? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just draw it. Yeah, you can tell it. It's in his voice. Anyway, I said the last point. Any good news yet today? Today's because it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. Remember today because it's a happy day. There's still hope. It's going to get worse and worse. He's very tough on Trump. I'm sure mm-hmm. some of the, some of our folks listening will write in and say, "What? Why didn't you defend Trump?" I can't on this. I'm sorry. You know, he he said Biden owns it, but Trump set the table, and you know this whole all this crap. I'm sorry about forever wars. We have soldiers all sorts of places, and we should for our own interest to protect us. Happens to protect other people too. But how, how about that amazing thing he said, Claude, early on? Uh, you know, early on we had a hundred thousand troops. And Taliban controlled none of the provincial areas. Later on, we had 2,500 troops. The Taliban controlled no provincial areas. Drew it way down, drew it down by 97.5%. Mm-hmm. Still was working. Why do you screw with that? What else did you take away? Well, just the conversation you guys had about, uh, and you brought this up, and you've been talking about this the last um, couple of weeks, is you know where where does the attitude come that we should never, ever, ever, under any circumstance, put the troops in harm's way. I mean, just by nature of their job and what they signed up for, they signed up, signed up for it. And to have a foreign policy that says we're never going to put anybody in any situation that could be dangerous. Well, I mean, then what do you, what do you have a military for? You know, just to react. Uh, there, there, there's a, there's a proactiveness to prevent. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we want to prevent terrorism, you have to be proactive. And then yeah. part of that job putting guys in, in, in harm's way and we don't no one likes to do it no one likes to do it we don't want it to but it's oh i don't know about that some people okay. like to do it right. well yeah but it's a uh, reality you, we have to, you, know. you don't know as many marines as i do well, yeah. <laughs> they, they want to go they want yeah, to no, they want to go that's why mm-hmm. they signed up uh yeah. and not not necessarily sadistic they just want to do the right thing the marine training i know something about it our boy went through it they don't say it. now remember the first thing the first principle is protect yourself and your own safety it's not it not what they teach let's suppose you took 20 marines there at the air base in Kabul. you said okay guys here's here's the choice claude put your marine hat on there's your choice we can send you through the streets of Kabul to rescue five people family helper people who really helped us uh if you go, there'll be a risk. You could get shot and killed. If you don't go, they'll be killed. How do you vote? Oh, they're going to go. They're going to go. They're going to go. Gonna... Every one of them is going to go. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the Alamo. Cross the line, you know? Right. Yeah. No, they're going to go. They're, gonna they're go. all going to go. They're going to say, hell, Absolutely. that's what we're made for. We don't, Let's go. Mm-hmm. 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 And the interesting thing is, you know, if they get shot and killed, their families will know them and honor them and love them forever. Not that you desire it, not that you seek it. But if their partner gets shot, saving him becomes the high priority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. They're all going. So we got 5,000 Marines. What are they there for? To catch babies being thrown over the wall? Man, 
And, you know, one other thing he said, too, was just from get from the get go, you know, just a discussion of, you know, the goal uh, in Afghanistan is never it. I think he had said something about uh, the victory is different. It's never about winning and taking over anything. It's not a, it's not about winning. It, it was all about rooting out terrorism and preventing it. And that doesn't mean we're there for five years, 10 years, and then we're gone. That's a long-term deal. That's a long-term stay. And and that's what victory or winning what looks like in that part of the world. I talked to Seth earlier, uh, our friend Seth Leibs. But Seth said uh, he's getting calls from uh, soldiers, vets, who were there saying it was in vain. It was in vain. My service was in vain. My fallen comrades' service was in vain. What a horrible thing to hear. Mm-hmm. Not true either. Goodness, goodness, goodness. I don't have any more to say. I guess I'll turn on the TV and watch this. One of the most disgraceful moments in American history. I'm not sure I can find a parallel. Thank you, Claude. Thanks, everybody. Send us an email. Where do they send their emails? Podcast at gmail.com. Stay current on the threat posed by China with our friends at Committee on the Present Danger China. Go to presentdangerchina.org. Presentdangerchina.org. That does it for today's show catch up on previous episodes of the show go to the billbennettshow.com you can follow me on twitter at william j bennett you can like me on facebook just search bill bennett feel free to email the show i'd love to hear from you it's bill bennett podcast at gmail.com please share the podcast with your family and friends we'll catch up next week 